I have a story about uh, air conditioner noise ending up yes. destroying. Like, okay, so this wasn't people I knew, but it was people I was adjacent to. It, they were shooting mm-hmm. a short film at a supermarket overnight while it was shut. Okay, yeah. And they turned off the 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 refrigerators because they were making this sort of noise in the background. They didn't want it on the audio track. Right. Yeah. Forgot to turn them back on again. <gasps> no. And in the morning, all of the stock was ruined. And Jesus they had, they had Christ. done like something like 50 or $60,000 worth of damage. Is there like insurance for that type of thing? Yeah, but I don't think it covered it. <laughs> oh no. And then what happened? I don't know. Oh my I don't know goodness. how the story ends. I didn't want to pry into it. You should. Can you look it up now? Uh, no, it's it's been about 10 years. It's been long enough for it to be uh, not painful when you ask about it again. I've got a lot of, of stories like that in which uh, fil- film <laughs> equipment is destroyed or something else is destroyed tangentially through film equipment. And for those who don't know, why is it that you have so many film-related stories in your life? Because my undergrad was in film production. Oh, fascinating. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like how that's now just I'm explaining to an audience instead of just talking to you. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're like, we're professionals now. Yeah. Good. So the cone-headed executioners. Yes. You mentioned that <laughs> they're from a faraway land. Yeah, it's great um, writing. <laughs> they're from that- a faraway land. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to recap the executioners <laughs> real quick. Yazaki, and- <laughs> what are we going to do about the church military story? Uh, we'll say they're the executioners. But what, who, who are there? Just some some people who show up. Where are they from? They're from a faraway land. (laughs) Um, They also have like a tradition of passing executioner gloves from father to son. Yes. (laughs) They they have a helmet and it's a symbol of uh, like ambition and um, resolve to face yeah, impurity. Which, which we often associate with a giant cone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then um, you mentioned they have their own secretive workshop. In the faraway land, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's a secretive enclave of mystical beliefs and heady fanaticism, which served as a backbone of the executioner's unique brand of justice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I think of whenever I hear the word enclave? Fallout 2. Oh, sorry, just Fallout 3. Yes! They're introduced in Fallout 2. I didn't play that. I only played Fallout 3 and up. Hello, police. I'd like to report a casual... Okay, so Avarikan said in the comment, there ought to be a patron tier where you can get all the uncut podcasts. And I was like, yes, make the patrons suffer even more than they do now. So maybe this piece of shit podcast is going on patron and everybody suffers. How about that? But what about the, like, 
we can we can salvage it by just going back on topic and cutting the last like cutting maybe uh 51 of the previous 52 <laughs> minutes out well what we're gonna do what i'm going to do is i'm going to include the stuff that you said about the executioners which were not the executioners that we're interested in specifically yeah and then we're going to start over about the the cone-headed guys how about that okay okay so, but we, it's fine. It's, I'll take note. It's at 53 minutes that it yep. restarts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we do an intro again? No, because I did an intro. We can just stick this part on. <laughs> no, I feel like we need to do a new intro. Welcome to episode eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight, yeah. eight. Well, it's more like episode eight B. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about the executioners, by which I mean we're going to continue talking about the executioners <laughs> after salvaging like the five minutes that were on topic that we discussed earlier and before it went completely off the rails, and then we'll start talking about another subject that's related to that. There's probably going to be a shift in tone. It's like really a really obvious hard cut. After we're going to be on topic for a while, and then suddenly there's going to be this really obvious edit, and we'll both be talking completely differently because it's an hour later. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. This is the con. This is the content you asked for by subscribing to this channel. I'm not responsible. Executioners take three. <laughs> okay. So, today's episode is going to be about the executioners. Is it? <laughs> yes. All right, then. Okay. But before we go on to the executioners, we have to clear something up, Richie. Is it the topic? <laughs> what? Because I'm we're on 23 minutes now. <laughs> and we've uh, this is like the third aborted attempt to even start <laughs> no no this, <laughs> no this is part this is part of of the podcast yeah. of the executioner topic okay okay um there are several executioners we meet in the game right right well i guess we'll get into it later on about how there's kind of two things called executioners well actually i wanted to clear it up now okay good this is a good place to start yeah, it is, because there's actually three different executioners. There are executioners like Alfred, who wear a cone. Yeah. Then there are executioners who are called, as you told me, the dismantling men in Japanese. Yeah. And they're the ones with the hoods and the the axes yeah. and can be found in, like, Hamwick Journal Lane, for example. Yeah. And there are also the executioners in the Nightmare, which are, like, Cthulhu-looking guys. Yeah. Okay, so... The confusing part is that, as you explained, there's the executioners with a capital E who are a faction who were led by Ligarius, and they're described as being basically hunters from somewhere that's far, far away from Yarnum. They have their own workshop and they have signature weapons and signature equipment that they they carry, and 
they are said to have worked with the Healing Church. Which, like, this is why we're going to get in. It's going to get quite vague. That basically mm-hmm. the Healing Church somehow, question mark, recruited these executioners. I guess in a similar way to the way Bergenworth recruited the Hunters to right. help them sack Kanehurst. Mm-hmm. But then there's also these big guys who look like uh, Basuzo from Berserk. Right, yeah. And they're called executioners. And that led to a lot of confusion over, like, well, are they the same people? Because they don't dress or act the same, and they also don't appear to be human. And then in The Hunter's Nightmare you encounter another variant who look like the big uh, berserk-looking executioners, except they have tentacles for a head and they can they, they wave their axe around and it makes a noise like a bell ringing. Mm-hmm. And um, that led to a theory that... I remember Redgrave bringing it up, but other people talked about it as well. That they were all the same faction, because in Kanehurst you find corpses that have kin-cold blood on them. And because of the way that Bloodborne has a limited number of corpse models, it's not clear if a corpse is an executioner or someone from Kanehurst, because you find the aftermath of this fight at Kanehurst. You had to just look at what they dropped. And so, like, if they dropped obvious Kanehurst stuff, okay, that's a Kanehurst body. If they dropped executioner stuff, it's an executioner body. Some of them had kin cold blood. And the theory that Redgrave was running with, I don't know if he still is, is that the kin cold blood corpses were executioners because the executioners were part kin, and that's what the guys in the nightmare with the tentacle faces were. So, that is why executioners are a confusing topic. Then- the art book came out. And if you get the Japanese version of the art book at this point, Redgrave has stopped listening if he was ever listening. The Japanese art book, it has the names of all the enemies in it and it has them in in the, the Japanese names and the English names next to each other. And it turns out the big guys who look like Basuzo were called Dismantling Men. And the guys in the Nightmare were called a name that Basically, it means um, person who was granted a bell. Like, it, like a, a neater way would be like bell bearer or something. Whereas the the faction that sacked Kanehurst were just called executioners. So, as far as like the Japanese version is concerned, they're three distinct entities. And it's only in the English one and I think maybe other uh, language ones, because I think the other language ones are all derived from the English one. They're probably all called executioners in that as well. So that's the cause of like trying to figure this out and then realizing it's probably not intended to be like that confusing. It's just down to the English script using the same name for three things. Okay. So there are three different things, even though they're all called executioners. They're three different things. And uh, yeah, um, an important thing to note about the name Dismantling Man is that it's also used in Dark Souls 3 um, to talk about the big guys with the red hoods and the the bowls of dead bodies you find in the undead settlement. 
I don't think they're called literally dismantling men in Japanese, but there's references in the item descriptions that talks about them like the dismantling men of the undead commune. So that's like it, they're the same thing. They, the dismantling refers to them dismantling corpses. That's why they have those big axes, and that's why they they have um, they have like uh, beast heads on their belts that are hanging off them. It's sort of hard to see, but if you if you kill one and then it goes into a ragdoll state, if you sort of kick it around a bit, you can see that it has beast heads hanging from its belt. So it's dismantling, as in it's dis- it's cutting corpses up. And that's why you find them in Hemwick, because Hemwick's a giant cemetery. You find them in Isefka's clinic because there is a bunch of corpses around there because it's near a cemetery. You find them in Yahogul because that's where Mensis are performing the ritual. And you find them in Forbidden Woods because the implication is that they are Thumerians. They're not humans. They're Thumerians who came to the surface. And that's Forbidden Woods is like the the uh, space in between Yarnum and the labyrinth where everything's being excavated. So they've presumably just come out of the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Mm. And a long, long, long time ago, many, many months ago, I don't even know if it's recorded. That was when we were just talking. You mentioned that they have a plate with a face on it. Yeah, their stomachs. Um, they wear very, very heavy plate mail armor, which is kind of a giveaway that they're not humans because the only instances of very, very heavy plate come from Thumerians. They mm-hmm. have a, a face. They have this like kind of gut plate, and on it there is a, like a woman's face sort of molded into it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which sort of hints that like this is a like a gothic thing. It's it's not um, it, it's like a medieval gothic design that you don't see around Yarnum, which is more Victorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also mentioned that a similar face can be found on Murgo's attendants or something. Well, they don't have a similar face, but they have a similar design. Where like Murgo's okay. attendants aesthetically are the closest thing you get to those executioner enemies in that they're very large Thumerians with this very heavy stylized plate on them. And they have, they have, um, they have a big kind of stomach armor as well, but they're supposed to look pregnant and their stomach has this, it's a design on it that I think is meant to be evocative of the design that later became Ibriatus. I don't know though. It's sort of like a, it's a series of sort of like, swirling lines look a bit like wings. You could kind of, it, it could almost be a stylized version of Ibriatus, but it might not be. But yeah, they have a, they have a point is they have a design in the same place, although it's not a face. Mm-hmm. They have okay. a molded face as well, but they have it on their actual helmet. Right. Yeah. Right. And is this the type of things uh, you touch on in the videos you're going to release? Yeah. I already finished that one, but it's not up yet. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Exciting. Hyped. Well, we just we just talked about it. Shut up. So, may as well just not release it now. <laughs> oh, my God. You're trying to get me killed, Richie? No one cares anymore. Everyone cares. <sighs> Everyone is waiting impatiently for your next video. Continue. <laughs> and could you talk about the nightmare executioners? Like, who are they? Where do they come from? I have no idea. Could you try again? The best you can get out of it is that they are wearing a shawl. 
that, I mean, we'll come back to the shawl because it's kind of a clusterfuck, but they're wearing a shawl <laughs> that is similar to the shawl that Ludwig is wearing. And there's a variant that has the a weapon called the church cannon. So it looks like they were maybe the first attempt at what later became the church giants. Because mm-hmm. the church giants that guard the the grand cathedral, like when Bloodborne first came out, the idea was the idea that people were floating was, oh, this is the healing church are experimenting on people and they've made these giants. But the more you look at it, the more it's like, oh, okay, the giants are actually just giants from the Thumerian Labyrinth. And the Healing Church went down and just, like, dug them up and dressed them in shawls and put them to work guarding the cathedral. Because the Thumerians, apart from the Queen and the Elders, don't seem to have any real free will. They just, they almost seem like zombies. So... Mm -hmm. I think the idea that they're going with in Old Hunters is that the first version of that was that the Healing Church had dug up the, like, executioner slash merciless watcher type Thumerians, the guys who aren't giants but are still, like, kind of eight-foot-tall big fat guys. They were using them to guard the cathedral. Because it mentions in the church canon description that the church canon was designed for it says hulking men with deteriorated brains, which seems to be a pretty good description of the the larger Thumerians. So I think the the nightmare executioners are meant to be like, yeah, Church Giant zero point five, where it was like church, they they dug up the same exe- the, uh, bah, they dug up the same Thumerians who were the executioners slash merciless watchers, and they were using them, and that's where they come from. I really don't understand the um. The tentacles, though. I think I have an answer to yeah? that. Yeah? What do you think? Remember the blacksmith in the catacombs in Dark Souls 1? Go on. Clearly, they're his descendants. But that's a beard. No, no, it's tentacles. Would tentacles have a bone, though? Wouldn't they just be muscle? Of course they'd have a bone, what kind of question is that, Richie? That's true. I should never have doubted you. <laughs> the other thing about the guys in the nightmare is like, we're saying they have tentacles, but it's not like the brain suckers where it's a head with tentacles coming out of it. It's like they don't really have a head. It's just this like swirling vortex in the helmet. And then the tentacles shoot out of it. Like um, it's almost like Augur of Abriatus. They remind me a lot of the Herald Knights from the Ring City, where the head is just that mass of humanity. Are you trying to one-up me by connecting them to Dark Souls? No, I'm saying it reminds me of them. I'm not saying that it is them. Okay, because we have just established they're related to the blacksmith. Vamos. Have you actually met Vamos in-game? Because I don't think you've ever been to the catacombs. (laughs) I... Oh my god, I told you about my catacombs experience. Yes, I've been here, and yes, I met him. Yeah. And it was awesome, because I was so confused. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, what are you? What's going on? <laughs> His voice is really messed up in the remaster. Oh yeah, I think you sent me the thing. Yeah. Yeah. They need your boyfriend to clear it up. <gasps> oh my god, he can. He has a lot of experience now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the executioners. And which, it, which was the three executioners are we talking about? 
the nightmare executioners. Yeah. And it does look like they're wearing a cage or something. Yeah, they're wearing it's the Yaha Golion helmet, but it's scaled up to like twice the size. So they could have like a bunch of phantasms in their head and they're coming out. Well, the thing out. is they grab you like the like the brain suckers grab you, but they just sort of create this like looks like an arcane energy attack and then they put you down again. Hmm. Hmm. One of the things we should mention with regard to the Hunter's Nightmare in general is that I think this has come up before, but like Lance has looked into it and basically the whole concept of the Hunter's Nightmare is something that was something that was conceptualized very, very late. And that originally there were going to be two DLCs, which would have been the research hall, which would just have been up a cathedral ward. And then the prison and Hamlet. And the prison would probably have been in the waking world. The Hamlet may have been in the dreamlands. And then when they decided to make it one DLC, the hunter's nightmare was invented as a means to sort of explain why, like, it's all taking place at once. Why, like, the research hall and the prison and the Hamlet are in the same place. So, the reason the hunter's nightmare part you visit first is made out of bits of Yarnum is that. It's that they were recycling, like, assets they already had because that wasn't part of the initial plan. So, we don't really know what the initial idea behind the Nightmare Executioners was. And that might be why we don't understand them. They might have had a, another role earlier on that made a bit that was a bit more coherent. That's too bad, though, they, they didn't go with the two DLCs. Well, no, because, I mean, I think it works perfectly fine like it is. No, because then we would have had more Bloodborne. No, we, we would have had probably less, because they w- it would have been like Dark Souls, like Ashes of Ariandel, where, like, we played a DLC for one, it was, like, two hours long, and we were like, well, is that all? I don't think so, because Miyazaki actually worked on Bloodborne. Yeah. I was, pl- I was playing... Um, Artorius of the Abyss, that's, that's like, about as long as Ashes of Ariandel as well. But we don't complain about that. Yeah, it's a pretty short DLC, but it's yeah. just interesting. Yeah, that, that seems to be the major difference. It's actually interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's not literally a place we've been to before. Although it is, because it's, it's Darkroot Garden. Well, no, I've never, I've never been to it before. And I still found it uninteresting. Do people know that, like, you've you've finished about 60% of Dark Souls 1? <laughs> Maybe. Despite the fact you started a channel about the series. You still okay, have- Okay, no. <laughs> I watched a lot of lore videos and read a lot of wikis, okay? I know what I'm doing. Like, I, I can't even complain because I appeared on that podcast about Ashes of Ariandel without having played it. That was amazing. I know. It's like, have you seen um, that show? Uh, what's it called? Let me let me Google it real quick. Um, um, oh. Yeah, it's called Hustle. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, every episode they try to do something, uh, I guess, like... Some sort of hustle? Yeah, yeah, some sort yeah. of hustle. Yeah. And I feel like that would have been an episode where you tried to talk about Ashes of Oriental on a podcast without having played it. Yeah. Richie, the hustler. Well, to be fair, like, it's so derivative. 
I was able to just be like, hmm. <laughs> anyway, back to yeah. okay. executioners. So just to remind people of the cone-headed executioners and the information we know about them. Yep. <laughs> they come from a faraway land. Yes. And they have a tradition of passing the executioner gloves. <laughs> yes. The priceless gloves. Handed down from father to son in a faraway land. <laughs> Look, I'm not laughing. You're the one who's failing to take this seriously. for luminosity, ambition, and unflagging resolve to face impurity. Yep, things we often associate with cones. <laughs> um, staring it down with stern golden spirit. Yep. So does it mean their cone is made of gold? Well, it's coloured gold. <gasps> Richie, I have yeah. a very important question. Okay. That doesn't let me sleep at night, kind of like the Lord Vessel. Continue. <laughs> How do they see in the cone? That's a very good question. <gasps> Richie! Do you sound like you're about to cry? <laughs> I am a little bit. <laughs> because this whole podcast has been pretty This trippy. is literally all the fault of whoever was translating that and wrote Far Away Land. Okay, okay, so <laughs> what hit me? I just had a visual. I just had a split screen in my head that appeared. On one side, there's the cone, and on the other side, there's the Lord Vessel. Because <laughs> they're both gold. They're both gold. They're both, like, vases. Okay, but one is a hat. No! Okay, I guess you missed it, but I was replying to some comments from the Lord Vessel thread, and then we decided that I could probably wear it as a hat. It's huge, though. You'd have to wear it as, like, a turtle shell. <gasps> oh my god! Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know what? You know what happened, actually? Funny thing happened. Uh, Corvo, we bought Corvo a uh, bed that is, like... Just preemptively, this is going to be on Patreon, isn't it? I don't know. Depends on how much editing I have to do. At some point, I might just say whatever. <laughs> I can't edit anymore. But we got him uh, a bed, and it's a it's it's like a bed that looks like a giant head. Not head, sorry, a giant hat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, but he doesn't like it, and he didn't like it, and he never went into it, and he doesn't want to go into it, and it's... It's a little sad, but it's okay. It's his choice. Yeah, that's a common thing with cats. that they want. If you buy them a bed, they won't get into it, but they'll just find, like, an old box and decide they live in that. 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah. what I did the other day is I took it and I put it on my head and I wore it as a hat and it looked really nice. Uh-huh. And it looked like one of those, you know, Russian furry hats, but like really, really giant. So that being said, I think I could wear the giant Lord Vessel as a hat. Okay. Now that we've gotten that out of our system, <laughs> I'd like to discuss the symbolic cone. Okay, but you didn't answer. How do they see in it? I don't know. Do you think the cone is a Lord Vessel? Do you want to know what I actually think the cone is? Yes, please. Okay, one thing that's going to come up throughout this is that I am like 95% certain that, quote-unquote, the executioners weren't a separate faction, that it was just the church's military. Right. And the whole, it was the executioners led by Ligarius from a faraway land thing is something that was introduced later on. Why? Right. Because you get the, the, the big, the telling thing is that they say, okay, what Alfred's wearing is the executioner garb. Okay. But you also see the church giants wearing it. You see Ludwig wearing it. And you see the nightmare executions. Well, I know they're called executions, but whatever, we've established they're a separate thing. They're also wearing it. And it says, and like, it's very similar in design to what the church servants wear. And it's similar in design to what the, the black and white church sets the player wears is. Um, it's like a, they're, it's like a bulkier version of that. So it says in the description, oh, the church copied the design of this shawl. That's why they all kind of dress like executioners that like the church went, they did this thing. And then as yeah. a result of working with the executioners, they figured, okay, we'll copy their armor design because it's, it's going to help us. Um, the problem is that, you know, who else has a big shawl? Uh, Gascoigne. Willem. <gasps> Willem. Right. So I think it's, more likely, and it's the same with them saying that, um, like they say constantly, oh, the church copied Bergenworth's design. I'm pretty sure what's happened is that what we know as the executioner garb was just going to be like the church hunter garb or so- something called something like that, like church military garb or church hunter garb or something. Okay. And yeah, that's what it was. And the whole, oh, this is what the Executioner's War came later on. And then when they did that, they had to explain why the Executioner's dressed like the church. So they threw in like, oh, well, the church patterned themselves after the Executioner's. But it's really clear from looking at the designs that the church patterned themselves after Willem, who was clearly not one of the Executioner's and that he had nothing to do with them. Okay. So, going back to the cone, you know right. how the I think the cone is- supposed to be the way that the church use communion as a symbol and communion is three it's three dots so if you you look at the executioner symbol is the radiance rune which just looks like if you got the communion room rune and connected the dots and then drew an eye in the middle you would have radiance and i'm pretty sure that like yeah that radiance was conceived as a healing church design it's like a like a step up from communion so I think the reason the executioners can't see is that it's like an eyes on the inside thing. And that's why their symbol is, that's why they can't see in the same way that the choir and Willem wear those blindfold caps, that 
the church military wore a similar thing and that and it it's supposed to look like the radiance rune which is supposed to look like the communion rune so i think it comes from that and i don't think the way that it is in game makes a great deal of sense so are there eyes inside the cone that look back at the executioners well you can see kind of what it looks like under the cone and it just looks like a sack like they just have like a sack on their head and the cone is on top of the sack like it has okay you can see material and cloth under the cone but how do they see from the cone i don't think they can but then does Alfred just walk around and bump into things? Is that why he couldn't find Castle Kindhurst? No, but you see, like, Alfred Alfred doesn't wear the cone until he attacks Annalise. Okay. So, oh. Oh. So, basically, okay, he found Castle Kindhurst, he killed Annalise, then he put on a cone and stood there and waited for you for a while in one place. I think the idea is, like, it's supposed to show that you're... S- it's meant to be like you're so dedicated and so fanatical that you don't even need to see anything. You can just trust in your own, like, your own belief. But it may also be like an eyes on the inside thing in the same way that the choir and Willem wear those blindfolds. Okay, but when I attacked him, he could clearly see me. Yeah, and, and Queen Killer in the Labyrinth wears it as well, and he can clearly see. Who wears it as well? Queen Killer. Right, but do you know what I think? What? I think Alfred drilled little holes in his helmet ah. and that he could actually see me and that he cheated. Well, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Tring, tring, police, I'd like to report a casual. Get it? I'm reporting Alfred like you reported me this morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Up the phone. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Richie. Uh, there's also the brass rivet. Rivet? Yeah. Rivets? Rivet. What's a rivet? Little brass studs. Mm-hmm. I like how I copy-pasted this without ever questioning what it means. That's, that's a good start. Yeah. After doing some research. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of words that I don't know what they mean when I read Soulsborne stuff, I I search most of them. But sometimes it's like, whatever, I just want to get a snack, you know? So, the brass rivets are unique to the executioners and reflect their adorations of hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, Yeah. by the way, in case we forgot what we're doing is we're just summing up information we know about the executioners. Well, can, can we assume that most people watching this are at least familiar with them? No. Okay. We're doing this right, remember? Yeah, that's the thing, because, like, I would assume everyone who listens to what we're talking about is familiar with the games already, and that's why when I make videos, I just dive into, like, here's something that I'm not going to bother explaining because I assume you know it already. But I have had people message me and be like, oh, yeah, I've never played Bloodborne. Yeah. Can you explain this thing to me? And it's like, all right, I I guess people do just want to hear about this without having played it. Yeah, it's a really good lore. It's a cool game. Yeah, I would never have thought that, but it's happening. Yeah, but it's not only that. It's just sometimes uh, you haven't played it in a while or you haven't read it in a while and you forget things, Richie. 
not everybody's as lifeless as you. I think a lot. I remember a lot of of Dark Souls confusion was literally just people hadn't read things because they hadn't thought to at the time. Because we we hadn't established that that's how the story was told in these games. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like I don't understand blah blah blah, and it's like it's literally written on the key that you just got, and it's like what. It's like, yeah, you can press square and look at the key. It's like, oh, that was me. Wow. I had no idea you could do that. Yeah. My boyfriend had to explain it to me many times, but I was like, yeah. what do you mean read the items? Reminds me of like an RPG source book or something. Can we continue? I don't know what that is. If you're getting like a, like a, like a tabletop role-playing game, there'll be mm-hmm. predefined worlds in it. And you'll be able to get a book that tells you like, here's all of the kingdoms in this world and here is like how they all connect to each other. And here's all the characters and here's like all these different towns and all like the different, um, like significant people and significant events in history and everything just written up for you. If you want to write your own story set in that world, mm-hmm. that's, that's what uh, dark souls reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. At some point they had a commander who was called Ligarius. Yep. And Ligarius once said that acts of goodness are not always wise, acts of evil are not always foolish, but regardless, we shall always strive to be good. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Alfred, and I'm still not sure whether or not he's actually an executioner. Well, this is the confusing part, because when you meet him, he says, oh, are you a hunter? That's how I started, implying he's not a hunter anymore. Implying that he was a hunter, and then after his hunt was over. He became like a Ligarius fanboy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, that's it's, what I think. Uh, like this is a confusing thing because early on we we all thought, oh, the Kanehurst thing must have happened a really long time ago to the point where it's like ancient history. But it seems more likely it was like ten or twenty years ago maximum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Alfred presumably, like, either he was a child or he's come from outside Yarnum, and that's why he wasn't involved. But the problem is he calls himself a protege of Ligarius, which, like, that may just be the- I don't know what the Japanese for that is, but, like, protege implies he was trained by Ligarius, but at the same time he hasn't met Ligarius. But he also talks about Ligarius like he has met him. If he has met him, then why hasn't he been to Kanehurst? Did he meet Ligarius before Ligarius went to Kanehurst? It's very, like, all over the place. It's, it's the part of the story that makes the least amount of coherent sense, I think. No, it makes perfect sense. Remember how Viola has dementia? Yeah. Well, Ligarius has delusional ideas. Well, he clearly does. Well, there we go. He never met like. Le- oh, did I say Ligarius? Sorry, yeah, I meant Alfred. Alfred. Alfred has delusional ideas. He never yeah. met Ligarius. He was never part of this, but he just think he did, and he talks as if he was. Yeah, yeah. Because Alfred's not a member of the church because he talks about the church like he's not, and he says like I've heard the following. Here's something I've heard about the church, but that's not really. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, the executioners had their own workshop. In a faraway land, yes. (laughs) It was a secretive enclave of mystical beliefs and heady fanaticism? Yeah. Heady fanaticism, or is that just a typo? Heady fanaticism. What does that mean? 
Heady. Just that they're, um, like, it's, uh, I don't know how I would describe Heady, actually. I will. Like, a very sort of exhilarating, potent sort of fanaticism. Like, they were in a. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which serve, which served as the backbone of the executioner's unique brand of justice? Yeah. Is that uh, well, we'll talk about it later. But it's like you know when it's like Ligarius is like we shall always strive to be good, and then it's yeah. like oh yeah, the executioners had a very unique brand of justice. That's so creepy. Do we want to talk about the wheels? I think we'll touch on it later. So we'll yeah we'll talk about it later. Okay. But yeah, they they creep me out. I think the executioners are like the faction that creeps me out the most in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned uh that there are, like seem to be connections to the church. Yeah. And uh they seem to have some beef with the Valbloods. Yeah, I, that's um, a very subtle thing you may have picked up on. The clue is that they they attacked the Vilebloods and killed them all, and then Alfred beat the Queen to death with a wheel while screaming at her. <laughs> but Richie, you can actually miss all of those components rather easily if you don't find the invitation. Yes, because Kanehurst is optional, yes. I guess when you go online, you can find it or you hear people talk, but when you play it for the first time, it's not like this obvious thing. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so if a new person is playing this, maybe we're, like, blowing someone's mind right now. Maybe they're like, what are the Wildbloods? Castle? Bloodborne? What is this? <laughs> I was looking for Dendi content. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to make that. We're going to do that. Right. That other thing I want to okay. do. Okay, okay. There's a sort of a pilot of it on Discord. Kind of. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's an unlisted video. Can they all be unlisted? <laughs> um, well, you f- you say that, but I went back and I already um, made private some of my older lore videos. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, I can't. This is not good. One of yeah. them was the classic wet nurse video. <laughs> yeah. Well, v- Varty did a similar thing. So, you know. Oh. Yeah, he he said he got rid of a lot of his older videos because he didn't like mm-hmm. them. So you have mm-hmm. permission from Senpai. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, are we going to talk about how Vati left a comment in one of my videos? We already did. You know, this is going to be like Patreon content as well, just to remind everyone twice that a famous person left a comment on your video. <laughs> no, because no, when the other thing's going to be Patreon content, so. We're actually saying it for the first time now. I I never know how to feel about the patron content thing, because on the one hand, I'm glad that this isn't going in the actual episode, but on the other hand, I feel bad that people pay for it. Well, it's a choice, because on Patreon, the description of the tier is literally like, uh, this is videos nobody should ever see. Yeah, the crap tier. Yeah. Yeah, crap content. (laughs) Pretty much, so... Um, what were you saying? Uh, one hour, 16 minutes. Oh, shoot. Okay. And, um, right. Okay. So they have beef with the Vilebloods. They're connected yep. to the church. Yep. And there's some 
cut content associated with them that we well, would do we want to talk later. about connected to the church because that's where a lot of the weirdness comes from not yet okay okay so <laughs> not taking the cut content into consideration and talking about the finished game only mm-hmm. as well as the dlc mm-hmm. can you tell me about the connection mm-hmm. between the th- <laughs> can you tell me about the connection between the thumerians and the executioners the connection is uh, Mr. Martin Ligarius. So, <laughs> when when we first like were figuring out Bloodborne, this Ligarius guy, some people were saying, "Oh, is he is he a Thumerian because he's like really tall, and he has the same like move set as the Thumer- not exactly the same, but very similar move set to the Thumerian elder and Thumerian descendant in the dungeons." And we went back and forth on that for a while because the argument that he's just very tall makes someone a Thumerian is sort of because (laughs) because of the way the Souls games work, because they're third person. You want the bosses to be larger than the main character because that way you can see them better because the main character would otherwise they would obscure it. So, like, like Gascoigne is a good example. Gascoigne is like a head taller than the main character. So it's easier to keep track of Gascoigne when you're fighting him. But he's not Thumerian. He's just an absolute unit. You sure about that? Well, mm. and then you have like, <laughs> like the church servants, they're Thumerian, they're quite tall. And then like the scourge beasts are quite large and everything. And like the Yanamites themselves are, are a bit taller than the main character as well. So like the, that didn't seem like a good um good enough like reasoning at the time, but the more we looked into it, the more it's like I think the idea is that when they talk about all oh, the executioners came from a faraway land, they mean that the executioners, or at least Ligarius, was a Thumerian. And that he had come to the surface to get rid of Annalise, because Annalise is if you go down to the Chalice Dungeons, there's evidence of this kind of Thumerian civil war going on. Because you find corpses that are wearing they corpses that are explicitly posed like the corpse at the start of at the cover of Demon Souls, that kind of very iconic picture of the knight leaning up against the wall. And that those corpses are wearing the same armor that you see in the the portrait in Kanehurst of the old guy that people for some reason thought was German because it's only allowed to be one old man in the entire series. So the theory is, and again, this is like, I'm fully aware that like this part of the game doesn't really cohere very well. The theory is that there's some kind of Thumerian civil war. And the reason all the corpses you find of dead Thumerians in the Chalice Dungeons are dressed in the sort of old Kanehurst style is that the that is the group that lost and they were driven to the surface and that's why they founded Kanehurst. So Kanehurst isn't like it the descendants of the Thumerians, but they're specifically descendants of a faction of Thumerians who were driven out of the Chalice Dungeon slash Labyrinth by like another group of Thumerians. And that's why they are dressed like the corpses, because the corpses are clearly the losing side. You don't see them wandering around dressed like that 
in the Chalice Dungeons themselves. They're all dead. So that seems to be like, that's the best we could sort of come up with. And we're not entirely sure if like they were going for that, or that's just a weird coincidence. So the idea being, yeah, if they were driven to the surface by another group of Thumerians, then presumably you could go down and recruit the other side and be like, hey, you know, they escaped. You can go and finish mm-hmm. them off. They're in this castle. And that's why Ligarius, who is probably Thumerian because it's literally like the Thumerian elder moveset and is a very large man. If you go and like, <laughs> you can finish them off. That's the... That's the best we could manage, but like as as we'll probably go into later on, um, it doesn't make a great deal of sense, and there's a lot of cut stuff related to Ligarius and Kanehurst that paints a different picture of the story. Mm-hmm. Cool, thank you. And there's a hunter sign that's located on the executioner's garb, right? Yeah, another like what moment that that's. That can either mean that, like, it's the church thing and the church, because they're hunters of the church, the church hunters, the hunter rune connects. But at the same time, the hunter rune is also in the Thumerian Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. It's a recurring design motif. So, like, it could also mean that if you assume, if we take as read that the church are based on the executioners, the executioners were uh, an independent thing then that could maybe explain why the um why they wear that because if they were if they were from the chalice dungeons to begin with it would that design motif would make sense okay thank you and i wanted to ask you about the executioner's gloves uh-huh. um <laughs> the glove description reads one of the secret treasures hidden in kinehurst yeah. The gloves of an executioner from a faraway land yep. passed from executioner father to executioner son. These gloves can be used to summon wrathful spirits of the past by smearing them with blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're one of the many treasures that are hidden in Kanehurst, by which I mean that yeah. they belong to the people who were killed attacking Kanehurst and you find them on a corpse. Wait, I can't compute that. Like, I was about to ask you one of the secret treasures hidden in Kenhurst, but they're the executioner's gloves. Yes. I don't get it. Hang on. Uh, Unless, okay, unless an executioner lost his gloves there, and then the Kenhurst people were like, oh, it's mine now, you know, and hid it. But they're all dead. Okay, so the executioner's gloves are in a chest in Kanehurst. Yes. So, I think the idea is that, like, oh, it's so confusing, though, because if the executioner's attacked Kanehurst, mm-hmm. but also the gloves are hidden away, it's like, were the gloves hidden away previously, or did they hide them away after the attack? When everyone was yeah. dead, they just thought, we'll put these in a chest somewhere. No, you know what? I what? no no, I like what you just said. Because if okay, if if the gloves were hidden in Kinehurst 
before the attack, yeah. then that would make sense. Like somebody was ready to attack. You know what I mean? Like they were preparing for it. But where did they where did they get them? Okay, well, maybe somebody in Kinehurst was actually with the executioners. And right. so they hid the gloves getting ready for the attack or something. But no, but the point is like the executioners' gloves work because the executioners killed so many vile bloods that the gloves became possessed by the spirits of the dead vile bloods. So I think it has to have been after the purge. Okay, well, it was before and after they took the gloves and put them back in their place so they don't lose them. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Do we want to talk about what they used to be that Lance dug up? Yes. Okay, whatever. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean, yeah, whatever? I say yes. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, whatever. What happened? No, is, explain yourself, Richie. I'm explaining myself. The <laughs> like having looked at the text strings that are in Bloodborne, it looks like the original plan for all the hunter tools were in there, but they were just a description. So like they came up with the idea of how they would work mechanically, and then they came up with like what they were called and what they looked like later on. So there was always the plan to have something that shot out three slow homing projectiles. And then they went with various different concepts of that. And one of the concepts that Lance has dug up is um, it shoots out three little messengers that home in on you. Mm-hmm. So when they nixed that idea, I think the, the executioner's gloves that we have, they came up with that later on. And they just made it instead of being a, I don't know what it was called originally what it what it was supposed to be because it doesn't have a graphic but whatever it was was replaced by gloves that shot out three blood skull things instead but like functionally it's the same thing hmm. yeah so they wasn't always supposed to be executioner gloves it was just it's just called internally like it, it has a, a name that it's such a description that's like three homing projectiles or something so it could have been three homing anything shot from anything. And this is the version we ended up with. But it wasn't something that they had planned from the beginning as like, yeah, they just sort of, it looks like it was improvised quite late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just looking at my notes and you actually covered some of the stuff I wanted to ask you about. And also, do we want to talk about how like when you fight Ligarius, he shoots the same skulls at you? Well, you know what? Let's talk about Ligarius. You already did that a little bit, though. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the reason that Ligarius does it is because he has killed so many vile bloods that he also is like, like the cursed sort of dead vile bloods are kind of clinging to him. Oh, huh, that makes sense. That's that's why they shoot. That's why like Ligarius, who's the leader of the executioners, is doing the same attack. You also notice that Ligarius, like he has. Uh, his scythe, like the blade of the scythe, sort of appears over it. It's not really part of the weapon. And that's very close to when you fight the Thumerian Elder. Because mm-hmm. he, he is able, he has like a staff and he's able to transform it into different, it's like made of fire. And he's able to use, the, like morph the staff into different shapes by morphing what the fire is doing. So it's the same principle, just with Ligarius, it's uh, like a scythe thing. With the Elder, it's a flame sort of staff. 
And that looks like it's it's like an early version of trick weapons. The idea that the Fumarians also had transforming weapons. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like one of the things that I talked about and the thing that isn't up yet is like there's Thumerians on the surface and Thumerians in the chalices and they intentionally mirror each other. So like the awesome. execution like the the executioner guys with the big axes, they're like I'm pretty sure like that's a deliberate callback to the merciless watches. The like fat guys that you fight in the right, labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got like the, the witch of Hemwick is, looks to be a deliberate callback to the, the witches in the chalices, the sort of hunched over ones who have the skulls. Yeah. True. Yeah. So the idea is like, and like Annalise is a callback to Yarnum, the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got like the shadows of Yarnum are like the keepers of the old Lords. And then Ligarius is yeah. like the Thumerian elder. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about something. The executioners keep getting referred to as band of executioners. I like, what I like, do you mean by band? I just I imagine you as like an in, like you're the player character in an RPG and I'm an NPC and it's like, I also wanted to ask you something. And then there's all these text prompts and then like down the bottom is like, I also want to ask you something and then like goodbye. And you just keep like, I also wanted to ask. And it's like the same animation and voice clip playing over and over again while I'm standing there doing this idle animation. I also wanted to ask you something. Go on. Corvo <laughs> uh, came to say hi. <laughs> he never usually comes. Look, look, say hi to Richie. Hi, Corvo. Say hi. I gave him kisses because I love him. Oh, he's so cute. Okay. 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 Bye, Corvo. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I wanted to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> why are executioners being referred to as band of executioners? Because there's more than one of them. I don't know. No, but the word band, isn't that something from Berserk? Oh, the band of the hawk. Yeah. Yeah, but it just means like a group of people. I don't think it's a... I don't know if he was going for a... Because I I guess if maybe if you looked at the Japanese, if it used the same word that band of the hawk uses in that. But I think it, they no, just No, no, I don't... Okay, I didn't literally mean... I just wanted to give you an example of a... Yeah. Like, oh, just, yeah, but like they Miyazaki would do that, though. <laughs> What if they're a band, like a musical band? You know, the Thumerians had a band. Really? Yeah, you probably haven't heard of them. They were very underground. (laughs) Bravo, Richie. Good one. (laughs) Okay, so no particular reason? I don't know. Oh. (laughs) Oh, okay. I guess, no, okay, I guess the reason I asked is because you know how, like, church hunters or whatever, like, like it seems official, like, it seems like an actual organization, whereas, like, a yeah. band of executioners are just, yeah, like, this, random Yeah, this is people. why I, I think that they would just, I think they were just the healing church. Okay. That what it's like, if you talk to Annalise, she says, I am the sworn enemy of the church, and if you, like... 
if you go into stuff that was patched out but still accessible, it looks like the the cord in the workshop came from a child from Kanehurst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it, it like it would just be neater to say that the healing church hunters attacked Kanehurst and be done with it instead of this like Lawrence somehow recruits a group of Thumerians who are also human <laughs> to attack Kanehurst and then he copies their clothing. Like it's 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 just sort of weird in and I don't know why they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd be willing to bet that um, if Lance does any more data mining and finds stuff about that garb, that it will just be called, like, Church Hunter Garb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, You made me think of something. Does Annalise mention the executioners? No, she just talks- this is the thing. She just talks about the church. So she never once mentions the executioners? Uh, I'm pretty sure she doesn't. And, like, I've even in the cut stuff, she doesn't mention executioners. She just says the church. That's a little weird. They came to yeah. your castle and killed all your people, and you have no hard feelings toward them? That happens, right. And then she says, I'm the enemy of the church. Ligarius is literally keeping you prisoner right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She says enemy of the church. Oh. <sighs> So I'm pretty yeah. sure, like, there was no church executioner distinction earlier. Or they were at least called the church executioners. So after Alfred comes over and just puts her through a meat grinder, she still yeah. has no hard feelings. Yeah. Well, no, because you rewind time and nothing happened. So she just, like... <laughs> yeah, that's right. That has to be one of the, like... Most desperate ways they've addressed something not being finished is just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'll go back in time so there's no consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just imagining we we have this this Annalise quest that you now can't finish and we have Rom's corpse and we have (laughs) the unused Cos boss. And there's just like this, like zoom in on Miyazaki's head with all these like equations going on in it. And he's like, okay, we'll put the unused cosmos under the cathedral and then we'll have Rom's corpse in the room. And then what happens is once you beat Cos, who will call Ibriasis, so it's not Cos anymore, you can take Annalisa's body to Rom's corpse and that makes time go backwards. <laughs> and it just resets the Annalise quest. And everybody's like, you know what sounds good to us? Yeah, standing ovation. <laughs> yes. And like to be fair, that's that's like I'm not being entirely facetious. Like that's not a that's not a bad way to fix things. No. And you know what? Like the whole Kindhurst area, they still included it. It was optional. Yeah. They didn't release it as a DLC. Like I appreciate that. You know. Yeah. Like. One of the things I talked about on Bonfire Side Chat when I was cheating on you with another podcast is, like, the way that Bloodborne is very explicit about, like, this is all, a like, the dream imagery. And, like, it's a horror story and it's, like, this weird sort of fever dream that takes place over one night and all this weird shit happens. It gives you a lot of leeway to do things like that. Yeah. Like, it lets you sort of, like, we'll just cut an area out entirely. You know, like- 
Like the way that the game, um, you would originally have had to break out of your Sefka's clinic and it would have been this much more complicated area similar to the Undead Asylum. Okay. But the way that like the game just starts and you just sort of wander out and there's a werewolf just confronting you, like it, it still works in that, yeah. like even though they cut it out because the whole game is like you are, you have awoken with amnesia and what's going on. Was that Corvo? Oh shit, that was me. Sorry, love. I mi- <laughs> my boyfriend put a computer part, but I think it's okay. I didn't kill anyone. Like under the table, and I accidentally I just moved my foot and I accidentally kicked it and it fell. But it was just um, it was just the, the side of the second time today. <laughs> it's the second time today. But why do you keep putting things where you know I'll kick them, my love? Put them on her head because it's perfectly flat. <laughs> oh my they god, Richard! Richie said to put it on my head because it's perfectly flat and they won't fall. Oh, he just might. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, he's working on his computer again. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who, like, periodically drops by saying, my computer broke, I need to use yours. And Aww. then while working mine, while using mine, he will then announce that, like, so, if I wanted to attach a heat sink to a computer, what would I use? And it always <laughs> turns out the reason his computer broke is that he attempted to quote-unquote fix it. Oh, no. <laughs> and the most recent one was he um, he was trying to overclock his computer and it was overheating. So, he got a fan that was way too big oh, and no. just jammed it in the case. And then everything <laughs> stopped working. And his his latest plan was to attach heat sinks to the computer using glue that that melted when it heated up. Which is like just saying that out loud, you can see the problem, which is that <laughs> if the heat sinks worked at all, they would melt. The glue would melt and they'd just fall off. So He needs to he needs to like have his own little sitcom about trying to fix computers. Like remember home improvement? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So whenever you tried to fix something, it would fall apart. <laughs> I used to really like that show. Yeah. Yeah. Was that when you were? Were you still in Russia at that point? Oh, you? No, 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 no. Well, yeah. I don't know if maybe it started when I was still in Russia, but I only watched it here. Like I never. I remember watching that. Home Improvement all the time, and I cannot remember a single thing that actually happened in it. Just remember it being on. I remember it being really funny, and I really liked it. I remember it being on, and I remember... (laughs) And that's literally it. Yeah, and the neighbor, remember, that you never see his face behind the fence? Yeah. Wilson W. Wilson. (laughs) Yes! Oh, no, no, I do. I remember one thing from Home Improvement, which is the episode where they went to Wilson's house and had dinner with him. And it was always framed so when they were eating something, it was in front of his face. Like he was holding up a bowl or something. <laughs> yeah. It's the one part of Home Improvement I remember. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. I, I remember little things here and there, but not uh, nothing concrete. Um, so, okay, let me ask you about the Queen Killer. 
Who is he and what is his deal? That is a very good question. Um, <laughs> Can you first describe him? Okay, Queen Killer is... Mm, Queen Killer is two things, technically. Um, sometimes in Root Chalice Dungeons, by which I mean like the actual random ones, not the preset ones, you will encounter a hostile NPC hunter that is a guy with the executioner's helmet on and a cannon and the wheel and no other armor. So he's naked with the helmet on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is really weird. It's never really explained. I have seen a, I saw a chalice once where there were four of them in one room. They just, you just got like swarmed by naked men with <laughs> weird hats. Um, and then, like, it was just a weird thing you would sometimes run into, and we thought, maybe this may just be, like, a troll thing. Like, wouldn't it be weird if this were a thing? Because, <laughs> um, like, there are preset NPC hunters you can encounter in the chalices. Like, there's, like, a Kanehurst uh, set guy with a Chicago, and there's tomb prospectors, and there's guys who dress like irrever- who's supposed to be irreverent Izzy's, like, disciples. And then there's just these weird guys with no clothes apart from a gold cone head. Um, and then with the old hunters, they patched in the ability to summon one of them to help you fight Amygdala and help you fight. Yeah, it's Amygdala and Yanam. Okay. And they're called Queen Killer. Yeah. And I think the idea is like there's someone who went into the labyrinth to kill Queen Yanam. And I think that's literally it. Like, But they're wearing an executioner cone. Yeah, but they're not wearing anything else that the executioners wear. Yeah, no, I think the idea is they are they are old executioners. No, the idea is What is the idea? <laughs> the idea is that it's really hot, like it's hot here right now. So right. they just wear what's comfortable because it's so hot and there's no air conditioning in the labyrinths. Wouldn't wouldn't it be worse if it were really hot to wear a metal cone on your head? than to just wear some cloth. Well, the metal cone has a little mini fan installed inside. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that working. (laughs) Okay, so the idea is you said that they're old executioners who are still in the labyrinth? Something like, I think that's what they might be getting at. I don't know, though. It's just hard to tell if this character is supposed to be like, a significant thing they put in there to link the executioners to the chalice dungeons, or if someone just thought it would be funny for there to be a (laughs) man who is largely naked apart from a piece of gold metal on his head to chase you around, trying to hit you with a wheel. It's it's like Manny to Mildred. Yeah. Where like, there's, they, they kept throwing in like, what if there was a, a largely naked, large woman with a cleaver and a sack on her head. And she showed up kind of four times, but, like, there was one point in Dark Souls 1 where they did kind of give her a backstory and she sort of fits into the world. And then other times it's just like, here's a weird thing we sometimes do. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think they could be, like, executioner fanboys like Alfred? I- maybe? But, like, they're, they're in the Chalice Dungeons. Yeah, well, so are you. But, like, why, if they're executioner fanboys like Alfred, why would they be, wouldn't they be going to Kanehurst? Because they didn't find an invitation. 
they're trying to get an invitation. Is that why they're down there? Maybe. They're trying to get Yana to put them on the list. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe what happens is they just want to meet her, but then you come in and you start killing her and they're like, no, stop. I need an invitation. You know? Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they are called Queen Killer. So it's sort of obvious, okay, he's down here to kill Queen Yana. <laughs> there, was a, there was a theory that Queen Killer was Alfred. That, like, after Alfred dies, question mark, he, <laughs> he, I guess he comes back as, like, a, he takes all his clothing off apart from his head. And then he goes and- <laughs> But, like, that, that happens in Dark Souls with Logan. But Logan doesn't die. Yes, he, no, but when he um, goes mad, he's wearing nothing apart from his hat. But at that point, he's still alive, yeah. Yeah, which is where I'm like, I don't know to what degree this is supposed to be taken as a clue and to what degree this is just trolling. <laughs> and, like, yeah. when I say that they recycle Queen, they recycle those hostile hunters, they literally do recycle them, and it creates this weird kind of glitch. I mean, it is a glitch, but it's not harmful. Where if you summon Queen Killer and Queen Killer dies, he is treated like like an NPC hostile hunter, and he sometimes drops items. So you hmm. can farm queen killer technically by just summoning him and getting him killed and he sometimes drops blood gems cool this is act this was the first um this was the beginning of my helping out meth thing actually oh yeah yeah because the first weird thing i noticed was wait did queen killer just dropped a gem what the fuck happened and i was like ended up talking to her <laughs> about it and she's like hmm i guess we'll make a spreadsheet and <laughs> Have him die 50 times. And I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, I do this a fair bit. And <laughs> we got to talking and that, that was the beginning of my contributing to the Bloodborne wiki. was like, okay, I, really I, cool. I understand this. All right. We're both uh, similarly obsessed with this. And then, <laughs> and then that turned into like, hey, can you test uh, what Beast Raw does to different characters? <laughs> and now I'm like- I've written about 50,000 words for that <laughs> website. Richie working for the slabs. It's true. <laughs> okay, so thank you. That's the queen killer. That's queen killer. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about something that I brought up before. Uh, or maybe not, depending on how this is edited. Go on. <laughs> Okay, so the Gauntlet's description says that the Gauntlets are worn by the Band of Executioners, commanded by Martyr Ligarius. The brass rivets are unique uh, to Executioners and reflect their adoration of hand-to-hand combat. Yep. So why is hand-to-hand combat significant for the Executioners? I think it just means they like getting up close and, and punching people. Because, I mean, they, they hit you with a wheel. They don't actually punch you. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So- well, the, oh, God. Okay, do you want to just talk about the wheel for a second? Okay, let's talk about the wheel. Yes. The weird thing is, in Kanehurst, there are those ghosts that look like they are presumably the former um, women of Kanehurst who were executed. Right. Their throats are all cut. And then there's some where the head is just like their their head is removed and they're holding their head in their hands. Right. So it looks like okay, they were executed, as in like there was an axe or a guillotine, like they just had their heads cut off. 
And that fitted with the way that the executioner enemies had that big axe and they carried around severed heads. But the executioners we meet as a faction, they all have the wheel. And you see what happens when Alfred kills someone with the wheel. And it's not a, it's not decapitation. It's like he just turns them into like paste. He just mushes them up by like bashing them repeatedly until they just sort of like their body is reduced to this like slime. So it's like really odd. And like when he, prior to getting the wheel, he fights with a Kirk hammer, which again is a big blunt object. So just the way that like the Canehurst women appear to have had their been executed by having their heads cut off doesn't actually fit with the executioners that we meet unless unless you assume Ligarius did it all because he kind of has a scythe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing you can assume is maybe the real executioners that weren't Alfred had like an extra knife or something and that's how they did things. Maybe. Do we want to, like, talk about the wheel in general? Like, where that comes from? Does it come from Berserk? It comes from the real world via Berserk. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, so one of the things about Berserk is, like, it copies things from... Like, Berserk is is obviously... It's, it's a, a manga. It's by a Japanese guy. And it lifts... Like the Souls games, it lifts very heavily from medieval Europe. And there's a lot of historical research that goes into it. But... Some of it is lifted in a weird way. So, like, a good example is if you read Berserk, there are guys on horseback with lances, right? But instead of jousting like you're supposed to with a lance, they ride up to each other and then they jump off the horses and use the lances like spears and start, like, fighting like that, which is not how you use them normally. It's full of, like, weird stuff like that. So, at some point in the research for Berserk, uh, Kentaro Miura... I guess discovered that people were executed with wheels. This is a real thing. It was called breaking on the wheel. And the idea is you would you would tie someone to like a cartwheel, like splayed out, kind of like they're crucified, and then you would break their their limbs, and then you would leave just leave them on the wheel to die, and like birds would come down and eat them. Um, and that's where the bone wheel skeletons in. The bo- like, there's a bunch of um, skeletons on wheels in Berserk that become the inspiration for the bone wheel skeletons in Berserk in uh, in Dark Souls. So it looks like what's happened is like Miyazaki via Miura has figured out. Okay, wheels were used to execute people, and then I don't know if like he knows this is inaccurate, but thought it was cool. Or he just, like, this is the image that popped into his head, is the idea that you executed someone with a wheel by literally just bashing them to death with a wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's very <laughs> odd. But, like, yeah, executing people with wheels was a real thing, but it wasn't the way Alfred does it. <laughs> and it's possible that, like, he, he also may have gone with wheels because there's a thing about in Buddhism, there's, like, a wheel of life that goes around. And the idea of the executioner is, like... Yeah, like they have like the wheel hunter badge and the church all wear the church servants. You can still see it. They wear this like wheel badge around their neck. Mm-hmm. But the healing church used to wear it. If you look at the unused healing church NPC and that portrait in Canehurst, they have this like wheel sort of. It's like a clasp around their neck. Yeah, and um, 
but it's not the same as the Wheel Hunter badge, confusingly. <laughs> so there may have been some like Wheel of Life and Death imagery going on that didn't really wasn't really followed through on. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Uh, so the hand-to-hand combat, what lore significance does it have? I think it's just meant to suggest that like they were the guys who got up close and personal. Okay. And was Gracia an executioner? Simple Gracia. Because she has brass knuckles. But she hers is like literally just a chunk of metal that she punches people with, like it's a weapon. Yeah, hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but the executioners aren't punching people, they're using the wheel. Maybe she was like the executioner before it became cool. Maybe? No, I don't think so. Was was simple Gratia a Thumerian because she was very large? Maybe she was like related to Gascoigne. Yeah. And they both start with G, confirmed. <gasps> we should have an episode on Gratia. No. Richie, what's stopping us? Here's the entire story of Simple Gratia. Simple Gratia was a very large woman who didn't like guns, so she held a chunk of metal and punched people. Then she died. That's the story of Simple Gratia. Let me remind you that we talked about the Lord Vessel for half an hour. Well, no, it was more like you asked about the Lord Vessel for half an hour, and I kept saying it's not that important. Well, there is something about it for half an hour. And we talked about the log shield. That was a very long one. Yeah. We also Uh, talked about Saturday Night Live for about 20 minutes earlier. (laughs) So I think we can make this happen. I think that's going to be a thing. Okay. Okay. Yay. (laughs) Rich is like, I give up. Okay, fine. We should should at least talk. Can can we at least talk about like the, uh, the other NPC hunters as well as Simple Gradia? No. No, okay. Okay, we will have a separate episode for each. Good. <laughs> are you regretting your life choices? I feel like you are a little well, bit. Well, I, I, I usually am in general. Sometimes <laughs> it's just something will happen that pushes me over the edge into just like, fuck. <laughs> no! <laughs> Jesus, Rich, don't say that. <laughs> I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> uh. Oh my God. Corp was giving me the side eye. He's like, are you mean to rich again? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you something about, um, the executioners, uh, that I brought up before. So there's talk of them, uh, relating to like righteousness, luminosity, acts of good, yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, it's like they like hand-to-hand combat. Their workshop is a secretive enclave of mystical beliefs and heady fanaticism. And there's their unique brand of justice. So yeah. it's like, it's a weird mix of like virtuous and sinister. Yeah, I think the idea is they're just like fanatics who, yeah, yeah they're fanatical. And you know who this reminds me of from Berserk? Have you read Berserk? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did my research, bro. I'm a professional. 
Okay. Who does it remind you of from Berserk? Moskus? I don't, uh, it might be, I don't know their name. <laughs> so you haven't read Berserk? No, no, I read it. I just don't memorize it. Jesus. <laughs> no, it's, remember, okay, remember the guy that the Dark Souls three ladies were modeled on? Yeah, Moskus. Is that him? The weird priest yes, or whatever the pre- that bashes the his head who, on the floor? Yeah. He, but okay. yeah, that, that's, I was thinking of him when, um, I first saw Yamamura. <gasps> because they're both bashing their heads. Because Yamamura is ba- was bashing his head into the wall, and I thought, oh, is this, is this like a Moscus thing? But, uh, it's not. I don't think it is, though. No. No. He just has a headache. <laughs> He's been listening to these podcasts. Yes. Turn it off. <laughs> uh, the true hunter's nightmare. Um, He's listening to these podcasts and everyone's making fun of him for looking like Harry Potter. Really? I think he looks like Harry Potter. He looks like a Japanese Harry Potter cosplayer. Oh. He's got the same hair and this he's like it's like Harry Potter's let himself go a bit. He's a bit scruffier. Oh. <laughs> I read like five of the Harry Potter books back in the day. Two two hours. Did you read it? No, we need to stay on topic. We're already two hours in. You brought Harry Potter into this, not me. Mm hmm. So, have you read any Harry Potter books? I read the first, like, two. Oh, yeah. The third one is my favorite. You should read the third one. Okay. Okay. I didn't really take the movies, though. Maybe if they make a Harry Potter parody, I really like it. There's a Harry Potter parody in, I think, Epic Movie. Oh, yeah? The joke is, like, their idea of parodying Harry Potter is like, what if Harry Potter was old and started getting hormonal? And it's like, that's, that happens, though. <laughs> that's not a parody. That's literally what happens in the books. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, the executioners remind me of that guy from Berserk. Yeah. But I forget what I was going to say. Um... Yeah, and I guess, and you know, I think um, maybe my memory is deceiving me, but I'm pretty sure that the the guy from Berserk used a wheel to torture people. I think so. He might have, yeah. And the executioners use a wheel. Yes. Oh, professional. Did you see I made a connection? Yep. Do you think Lagarius is that guy from Berserk? Do you want to talk about who Lagarius is? Does that include cut content? I'm afraid it does. Well, that comes later. So When is because- later? It's been going for two and a quarter hours. <laughs> well, I, I have notes and I have questions. In my head, this was going to be a lot more organized than it actually was. Yeah, and then we went. started talking about Saturday Night Live. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Okay, about, uh, you know the Wheel Hunter badge? Yeah. It says um, that the wheel symbolizes righteous destiny. What's their righteous destiny? I have no idea. Okay, thank you. Um, And you know how when you fight Ludwig? Yeah. When you talk to his severed head, you can wear the executioner garb. And he will tell you a dialogue that he says about the church. 
Oh, is that? I didn't know it worked with the executioner garb. Did it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Can you look it up in case I'm wrong? No, no, that would make a lot of sense if it does, because that that ties into my thing about how it was probably just the church, the church like military uniform. Hang on, I will check the Bloodborne wiki because I think that if anyone knows, it will be Math. The thing is, like Gascoin's armor set counts as church garb, even though Gascoin left the healing church. And the reason it counts as church garb is because originally he was in the healing church and they rewrote it later on for him not to be, but they didn't. Um, no, 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 it, it is. The executioner's garb is part of the healing church sets. Yay. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And um, Meth has it here, so I know it was tested. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Awesome. So as far as, okay, so church sets are white church set, black church set, gas coin set, choir set, tomb prospector set, and executioner garb. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that would fit with like it was just they were just that was called would have been like church hunter set early on, and mm-hmm. when they decided oh it's the executioners from a faraway land, they they changed it, but like they didn't um, update that flag. Okay. Similar to in Dark Souls three, um the the giants will not. Like the the giant with the arrows, who seems to be fighting off the um the Aldrich people, he seems to be opposed to them. If you wear the Evangelist set, he won't attack you. Because mm-hmm. it looks like early on the giants and the Evangelists were on the same team, and then they changed that, but huh. they didn't update the how the clothes worked. Okay. Um. And another thing about Ludwig, when you talk to his um, to his head, yeah, it tells you, "Tell me, good hunter of the church, have you seen the light? Are my church hunters the honorable spunter? Spunters, <laughs> the honorable spunters." <laughs> L- Ludwig combines Spartans and hunters to create the spunters. The ultimate military force. Spunter sounds like an Australian, like, insult. (laughs) Fucking Spunter! Spunter. Oh, looks like we're gonna have some more hidden Ludwig dialogue coming up soon. (laughs) (sighs) Did you like that video I made? The one where I made you say things? I've never watched it. What? Are you for real? Yeah, I don't want. I I just want to forget that happened. You never watched it. I worked so hard on it, Richie. I used um everything I used was from Lance, and most of it was cut content. I see. It's really good, and oh, okay. yeah, and it has like a really interesting transition from the Maria music to the Ludwig music. Okay, I'll go. I'll listen to it after we're done in like six hours. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so he says that, and he's like, okay, are my church hunters... Oh, do you want to say it, but in a Ludwig voice? No. <laughs> are my church hunters the honorable Spartans? I hope they would be, right? <laughs> my church hunt- spunters, the honorable Spunters, I thought they would be. <laughs> um, and... 
that thing kind of reminded me of what Ligarius said when he said acts of goodness are not always yeah. wise. So yeah. it's, it's like, I, I feel like Ludwig and Ligarius either may have known each other or somehow knew each other's like ideas. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they met at least once at a party, you know? Yeah. What do you think? They drank pungent blood cocktails together. Yeah. Uh, well, according to the Bloodborne comic, uh, German knew Ligarius. Well, German is pretty tall as well. I know. So, mm. is German Sumerian? Well, we can't rule it out. <laughs> is every tall person in Bloodborne Sumerian? Well, like, as far as I'm concerned, everyone in Yarnum is part Thumerian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned it in episode one, which was the resume of the Bloodborne story. Yes. You see, you see, it's really cool to have episodes and numbers and they focus on one thing, so I can actually say that now. But this hasn't focused on one thing. It's going to be the executioners. Okay, there's about 10 minutes of Executioner in here. <laughs> so, when somebody asks me, oh, did you guys talk about the Executioners? I can be like, yeah, check out episode 8 of the Snag Covenant. Okay. Yay! You see, this is awesome. This will work out perfectly. <laughs> and then, like, in a week, Rishi, can you re-record the intro so it's called episode 12? <laughs> you know what? I'll be honest with you. Yeah. This is approaching two and a half hours now. Yes. And that thought did cross my mind because I'm like, yeah. I have to edit Death Stranding, which is episode seven, which is three hours, 40 minutes. Yeah. And then I have to edit this right away. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. We, yeah. I might ask you to do that. I might ask you to make this like episode nine or something. I'll just record on. myself saying numbers and you can splice <laughs> them in. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so do you think at some point Ludwig and Ligarius knew each other? Yes or no? Yeah, why not? Okay, and, okay, unrelated question, but when Ludwig says Spartans. Yeah. Does he mean meet the Spartans? He means meet the Spunters, which is the sequel to meet the Spartans. <laughs> okay. Does Ludwig wear executioner stuff? Yes. Is Ludwig an executioner? If you want to take the question seriously, like... Yeah. Ludwig wearing that garb, if the church copy Ligarius's executioner's garb and they get it from there, then Ludwig would have to come after Ligarius. Okay. Yeah. If you take the way it's explained, like... Yeah. So, Ludwig comes after Ligarius. Well, Ludwig wearing the shawl would have to come after Ligarius if you're being, like, trying to make the canon completely, like, everything's canon and everything is in chronological order. Then, yeah, Ligarius uh, predates Ludwig. And when did Ludwig find the Moonlight Sword, then? He was in the Chalice Dungeons and he found it. Doesn't say exactly when. Like, he was tomb prospecting and he found it somewhere in the labyrinth. And after he found it, he became a big shot hunter. 
I guess. I mean, the the way that the the hunters have like the the radiant sword and mm-hmm. the sword badge, and like they have Ludwig's holy blade, which is a like a copy of Ludwig's actual <laughs> moonlight blade. Like that sort of okay. It's it looks like the 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 moonlight sword was like it was, it was Ludwig's symbol, so it probably was before he was a big shot. And the radiant badge was it made after or before he killed Maria? Uh, it was made during. <laughs> that's he, that's he was able to kill Maria by distracting everyone, saying, "Please make me a badge that is looks exactly the same as the badge we currently have, but it's shinier." And then they all went to to uh, plate it with reflective material. And then while they weren't watching, he killed Maria. Okay, but even the name of the Holy Moonlight Sword, it's so Legarius. I feel like Legarius should be wielding it because it's like Legarius is all righteous and this and that, and the Moonlight Blade is literally holy. It's a Thumerian weapon. On top of it, it's a Thumerian weapon. I feel like maybe Ludwig stole the Moonlight Blade from Legarius. No, but it is the same principle because the Moonlight Blade is a sword that transforms into a different kind of sword through this light covering the blade, which Mm -hmm. is the same principle as Ligarius having a staff where the blade is this weird energy that can shift into different shapes. And the same as the Thumerian Elder having a staff where there's a flame on the end that can turn into like a crossbow or a mace or a spear. So it's the same. And like, also like Yanam can make swords out of her own blood and stuff. So it's the same principle. So, are you saying that Ludwig also killed Legarius and stole his sword? No, because <laughs> they're completely different things. <laughs> well, you don't know that. You don't know that maybe maybe Legarius was alive when he was sitting on that throne, and then Ludwig killed him, and then he died and mummified. Because Maria was also sitting on a chair. Maybe yeah, Ludwig really likes yeah. killing people who sit on chairs. Because he can't sit on chairs because he's a horrible horse monster. No, but that's so when he sees someone sitting down, he's filled with rage <laughs> at his inability to sit. Because <laughs> he has eight legs. No, he kills people before he's in the nightmare. Before he's a. Wait a minute, what if he was. Okay. We never see any pictures of Ludwig before he was a horse monster. What if he was always a horse monster? When they just hope no one would notice. <laughs> you know, like those memes where it's like day three hundred. Nobody noticed that I'm a horse monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? What if he was always a horse, and then the, we got it wrong, and when he became a beast, he became more human. Oh my god! Yeah, you know yeah. what? That would answer the question as to why. He's a horse in the nightmare, or a horse looking in the nightmare. Exactly. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> Two hours, 27 minutes, 30 seconds. Oh, God. Why do I do this to myself, Rich? I'm going to have to go through all this multiple times to make sure it's okay. So, like, even if I go through it just three times, how many hours is that? That's, like, seven and a half hours? Yes. Just, just making sure... 
Like, I'm not even talking about the actual editing because it's like, it's going to take more. It's not like a one-to-one. It's like, because you got to pause, you got to cut, you got to put things closer, put things further apart, separate audio if we're talking over each other. Uh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, let me check this. So we're done with Ludwig. So I want to ask you about the radiance thing. The rune. Yeah. We already covered that, didn't we? Yeah. So wait, the radiance rune is the executioner rune, right? Yeah. The executioner's rune is the radiance rune, which looks like a triangle with an eye in the middle. And that is very, very close to the way the church's symbol is the communion rune. Right. Which is three dots arranged in a triangle pattern. So if you basically played connect the dots with the (laughs) communion rune, you would, and then drew an eye in the middle, you would have the executioner's rune. Mm -hmm. Right. And the eye is also something that the church seek out. Like they're obsessed with eyes on the inside and inner eyes and the third eye and everything. So, Mm -hmm. and like it fits with, yeah, with Willem's rune is also Mm -hmm. eye and it's a pentagram with an eye in the middle. Right. So it's like, it's sort of, if you just forget about the stupid executioner shit and say, okay, the, the radiance rune is like the church's rune, then yeah, that's mm-hmm. like the two different paths. Like you've got the Willem, who is the, the rune with the eye within the pentagram, and then you have the church's rune is the eye within the communion symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But and, that's uh- not canon anymore. Because they came from a faraway land. <laughs> um, so the Radiance rune reads, The executioners despise the impure vile bloods, and no matter what the circumstances, would never cooperate with the bloodthirsty huntress who served the undead Queen Annalise. Mm. Um, but when I read this, I imagine like, the executioners have like super shifty eyes and they're like, I would never cooperate with the vile bloods. I've never even met a vile blood. I don't even know what Thumaru is. I don't even own a trick weapon. You know, like Do you think that they wear the the gold helmet so no one can see that their eyes are darting back and forth and they look very suspicious? <laughs> yes! Exactly. What vile bloods I've never I wouldn't know who they are. <laughs> That is that is exactly how this quote makes me feel like under no circumstances. But do you know that it's literally describing how it works in the game? I know, but I still I don't Okay, well another thing, okay. How do you explain this about the executioner's glove? It is said that the nobles found immeasurable delight in the dances of these vengeful specters. Yep. The nobles are clearly the Kynehurst people. I guess. So the way I see it is like the executioners chilled with the vile bloods at some point, and then the executioners were like, hey, you want to see something cool? And then and then the vile bloods are like, sure. And the executioners are like, look at these vengeful specters. And everybody's like, ha 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 ha, awesome. Want to see something cool? It's your grandparents <laughs> who we horribly murdered. <laughs> Their souls are trapped in these gloves for eternity. Here they are screaming in agony. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, and then, okay, what 
do you think that it's possible that the executioner and vile bloods were kind of chill at some point but then it was like okay well vile bloods got a child of blood or whatever so we got to steal their baby and that's when it all went downhill no but like the ch- it, the church and canehurst were chill at one point okay but the executioners are oh no they're not the church yeah that's the, this is the this is why i really like I don't oh. grasp why they did this because it's the invention of the executioners throws so many spanners in the works that like, okay. I just don't know. Okay. But let's say if the executioners were associated with the church to the yeah. point where they were part of it and the church was chill with Kinehurst at some point, and so were the executioners. Is that possible? The church were definitely chill with Kinehurst at some point, yeah. Okay, so it is possible that it's like, so that scenario happened where an executioner is like, want to see something cool? And the noble's <laughs> like, okay. It's like, look, look at that specter. It's really funny. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? Oh, just like, you know, I'm trying to be a bit edgy. Here's your here's your dead ancestors' blood. But maybe the Wildbloods didn't know it was their dead ancestors. Well, surely they would remember. Like, it would be a matter of record that the executioner showed up and murdered them all. Wait, at what point are we... No, this is before they murdered them. But then where are the spectres coming from if they haven't been killed yet? Just like other spectres. Other spectres. <laughs> Look, I'm sure executioners killed other people at some point. <laughs> the wild ones are like, you're not going to kill us, are you? It's like, no. Like, well, like, do you want to take the helmet off? No. <laughs> I'm just chilling here with my metal helmet so I don't look suspicious. They all do. It also <laughs> sounded a lot shorter in my head. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is like the making of like an improvised film where the editing <laughs> takes like... <laughs> we, had, we had 80 hours of footage and had to come up with a story from it. Uh, okay. So now we can talk about Kinghurst because it relates to the cut content we will mention. <laughs> So, can you briefly tell me about Kindhurst and what happened there? Briefly? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Kainhurst is a castle on the outskirts of Yarnum. And the people who live there are an old royal family who are descended from the Thumerians, from the labyrinth under Yarnum. They have a lot of Thumerian stuff there. And they are a bit Thumerian looking. And what happens is that um, I'm like, people will question this, but whatever. This this is what I'm assuming happened. I'm not going to stick a bunch of citations and footnotes in. They don't explicitly say this, but what happened was Lawrence took old blood to Kanehurst when he left Bergenworth. He gave it, he, he was trying to get a child to beckon a great one. So he brought old blood to Kanehurst, gave it to Annalise, 
um, or possibly the woman who was like Maria 0.5. They took old blood into themselves because they were the closest to Thumerians that he could find. And then they were able to conceive a child. We don't know at this point if it was Annalise or the character who would later become Maria. Um, Confusingly, like at one point, Annalise was the basis of the doll. It's like they revised a lot of things, so it's no longer very coherent. But uh, then when the child was born, the church and the executioners from a faraway land attacked Canehurst and they were able to steal the child during that battle. And then Lawrence took the child back to Yarnum and um, the child either was already dead or died on the way or died during what he did. But that child was used to beckon the moon presence in the abandoned old workshop. And that is where the third chord you find in the workshop comes from. And that is why Annalise has sworn vengeance against the church. Because she was betrayed. Yes. Um, So I had a note here that I just noticed. You know, the Legarius wheel, it says weapon wielded by Martyr Legarius's band of executioners used no. to slaughter the vile bloods and Kinehurst. So they did yes. use the wheel. Yeah, this is the confusing part because, like, it says they were killed with the wheel, but also the actual dead Kinehurst people you find have been decapitated. Yeah. Which isn't something you can do with a wheel. So, like, yeah, I got no idea. Okay. Oh, you know how we meet, like, um, ghosts of women in Kinehurst? That's who I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, but where are the dudes? They are the... Well, they're either the the dead corpses are the dudes. Um, There's also, like, the, the bat guys. Do you think they're the dudes? Yeah, because the... Oh, God. Okay, we'll get into even further cut shit, right? Okay. The bat guys, their faces look like the face of the guy who is wearing the Thumerian armor in the portrait. So, the idea is, like, over time with old blood use, the Thumerian, like, knights devolved into those bat things. Oh, okay. There's also a... Yeah. There's also a portrait of a guy in the knight set, and... It's going to sound ridiculous, but bear with me. He has a mustache, and this is this is significant because <laughs> the corpses that Mikolash uses as marionettes also have mustaches, and it's the same kind of mustache. And the thing is, like, it's a really odd specific detail that you would bother giving a corpse a mustache when no other corpses have them. And if you look at that portrait and the the marionette side by side. They look like they're the same guy. So I think those corpse marionettes were designed to be in Kanehurst initially. And they were going to be like dead Kanehurst knights who were like brought back to life as these marionette mm. things. Yeah. And then they were recycled as Mikolash's uh, like lackeys during the boss fight. Didn't someone also find them in the dungeons? Yeah, we think um, this is weird. Like someone found them in the dungeons and it's a three year old dungeon. And the guy who found it, the, like, the ID is in Japan. So, we think what's happened is that um, every region gets different patches when the game is patched. Like, this is something I've spoken to Lance about. Like, Lance will go and he'll 
he'll try to get every patch possible. Like the, like there's like the US patch, the UK patch, the French patch, the Korean patch, etc. Because they all have slightly different things in them. Um, so we think what happened is there was something weird about one of the Japanese patches from three years ago that made them spawn in the Chalice Dungeons, and then it was patched out again. Mm-hmm. And because of the way Chalice Dungeons work, <laughs> once a dungeon's created, it's there forever. Even if it's like doesn't work or has glitches and you can't patch it out once it's once it's there. So we think what happened is it was created by accident with a patch and then because it's already like used and it's got a glyph and it's floating around that it's just stayed there and you can't actually recreate it. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, one of the other things Lance did is is he looked at Chalice Dungeon stuff and he said like pretty much anything can spawn in Chalice Dungeons. Um, there's not like a, but some of them are just disabled. So something happened that re-enabled the marionettes once and then it never happened again. Yeah. That's why they're in the, that's, we think. Okay. Super. Thank you. And, uh, so now we're going to talk about Ligarius again. Yeah. Lance found two other variants of Ligarius, which brings us to like three Ligarius's total. And yeah. It's likely that originally Ligarius was the king of Kinehurst. Okay, what Lance found is two other Kinehurst characters. And when we saw them, we thought, oh, these are like prototype Ligariuses. Like they went through different designs and just left them there. Um, they're called. Ligarius is called King Reaper. The. Uh, one of the kings kind of looks like Gwyn, and he is called Ghost King Low Class. And then there is one that looks a little less ostentatious. He's just like a little, uh, like a human-sized kind of king called King in Blue. And they look, um, yeah. So, King in Blue. Hang on, I have to look up because I may may have confused which one King in Blue is. Ah. Ghost King Low Class. Uh, hang on. I'm look. Um, this doesn't count as cheating because I wrote this. I've just forgotten it. <laughs> I'm looking up an article I wrote. Okay, here we go. Right. So there's Ligarius. Ligarius is called King Reaper. Then there's another character who looks a lot like Ligarius, but he looks like kind of cross between Ligarius and Gwyn. Um, he has a very similar crown to Gwyn, and he is called Ghost King Low Class. And then there is another, like, Ligarius Riff, who is much smaller and much less ostentatious, and he is called King in Blue. So, um, uh, hang on. One of them can open doors, but I've forgotten which one it is. Okay, so Ghost King Low Class, which is the one who kind of looks like a cross between Ligarius and Gwyn, he has, um, he would have loaded with a, like a ghost texture attached, kind of like the ghost women in Kanehurst, so he would have been transparent. And he has, hang on, I just got a weird, oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah, I just got a weird error message. Anyway. Okay. Um. So, Ghost King Low Class has a ghost texture applied to him. 
I mean, he can load as a regular model. He can also load as a ghost. So he would have been transparent like the ghosts in Kanehurst. And he has a bunch of animations that would have been him, like, he can open- He's not a normal player model. But they still gave him animations to do things like climb ladders and open doors and stuff. So it looks like he would have moved throughout Kanehurst. And then the king in blue is- um, we don't quite know, but he loads in Ligarius's boss arena. And we had assumed, okay, these were like, they did three attempts to figure out like who the King of Canehurst should be and Ligarius was the third one. But then Lance did some more data mining and it turns out that there is an unused messenger headpiece that is the, the crowns of the kings of plural of Canehurst. So you would have been able to get messengers wearing the crown that Ligarius is wearing, the crown that King in Blue is wearing, and the crown that the Ghost King is wearing. And there's the King in Blue's crowns duplicated, so there's four crowns and four messengers. Um, and then it turned out that Ligarius's internal ID is uh, King Reaper. And then looking at the list of boss livers that Lance recently data mined. There is a liver of Marta Ligarius that is described as um, liver of the King's Reaper. So previously, when I'd seen King Reaper, I assumed, oh, okay, he's the King of Canehurst and he's kind of a Reaper. So that's why he's called King Reaper. But now it looks like he's called King's Reaper, as in he was the Reaper of the King of Canehurst, either the guy who killed the King or someone who worked for the King. So maybe he wasn't always the king of Canehurst. Maybe he was conceptualized as like the royal executioner of Canehurst or something. But at the same time, he is wearing a crown and sits in a throne. So it also looks like Ligarius was just straight up the king of Canehurst at one point. Okay. Um. It's yeah. It, it's it's very difficult to fit. The real issue is that the stuff when we talk about data mining, none of this is dated. So we don't know what order this came in. So like when we find like the the Annalise dialogue where Annalise has the doll's voice actor, like was that the first idea for Annalise or is that an idea that they came up with later on? Did they go back on it, etc.? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um I don't know. Is there anything else about the executioners that you'd like to say? Um, I don't think so. I think we're done. Yeah, I'm sure there are like details that we missed, but I think the general idea is that there. that that's a svelte uh, two hours fifty minutes. Fifteen. Fifty. Fifty. Okay. Um, oh, oh no, we're almost done. Sorry, I forgot about this. Uh, you know how on Discord I created um, a section where people can put questions for podcasts? Yeah. Uh, a few questions. A few people had questions about the executioners. Yay. Okay. Okay. So, Golden Boy is asking... How did the executioners decapitate those vile Kindhurst nobles without a bladed weapon? 
I think we covered that. And the answer is, we don't know. Okay. Is the red arch... (laughs) (laughs) Ask Miyazaki. (laughs) The answer is, ask Miyazaki. Okay. Okay. Um, Golden Boy also asks, is the red arcane magic we see on the Lagarius wheel and used by Lagarius himself natural, or is it Kynehurst blood magic? Well, it does arcane damage. Whereas blood attacks, oh God, blood attacks in the game, like blood is considered physical damage. Those do arcane damage. So like, but the idea is that it's, it exists because they're so bloodstained that like the spirits of the people who, whose blood it is like inhabit the way, like it's cursed. Similar to like the accursed brew. Well, like the the power of the accursed brew comes from the fact that like horrible things were done to that skull, so the, the like lingers around the skull. Hmm. Okay. Why are the women called bound widows? They're not. Um. This was uh from Fextra Life, the Fextra Life wiki, which like um. That wiki has some issues with, like, people can just, like, it's a wiki, so people can add to it uh, just with, like, random stuff. And a lot of the info, like, that that wiki caused a lot of problems because when the game first came out, people were adding stuff to that wiki. And then people were referencing it because it was the most popular one. And people were taking as read what was in that wiki as though it were accurate. But, like... So, Bound Widows was the name that someone came up with for those ghosts, but mm-hmm. the game doesn't actually call them Bound Widows. That's just someone added that to Fextra Life and it became, like, a community name. Similar to, like, the, the Winter Lanterns, people still call them Brains Trusts. Oh, I didn't know that. People call them Brains Trusts because someone on Fextra Life called them Brains Trust. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's happening. This is why, like, on the the Bloodborne wiki that Meth runs, like, there's a real emphasis on, like, everything has to actually be- you can't just edit it. Everything has to be tested and confirmed and go through her before it will go up. Because mm-hmm. she's trying to avoid things like that happening again. So, basically, yeah, they're not called Bound Widows. What are they called? Uh, I think they're just called Ghost Women. Let's check. I'm going to check the wiki because Meph will know. Okay. I know internally they're called, like, they're called uh, Old Castle Ghost Throat Cut. <laughs> Very descriptive. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the Winter Lanterns. Um, yeah. In the Russian wiki, they're called Singing Brains. Well, that's accurate. Yeah, it's cute. They're just called Forsaken Castle Spirit. Okay. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Okay. Lagarius is... Oh, interesting. Okay, well, this is about Lagarius's boss music uh, and how it doesn't make oh, yeah. much sense from a musical it's standpoint. It's Yarnum's boss music, isn't it? What? No, Hang no, on. the person's talking about... Uh, okay, Lagarius's boss music doesn't make much sense from a musical standpoint. Uh... 
the time it's in, the tempo. But I think we could keep that question for when we do the music well, podcast. Yeah, but like what I was, what I'm saying is the music yeah. you get when you fight Ligarius is the same music that plays when you fight Queen Yarnum in the Chalice Dungeons. How come? Well, it's called the Thumer. I think it's called the. Th- it's called Queen of the Vile Bloods. That's the track. Okay. But I've also heard people call it the Thumerian line. I don't know which is the official name, but hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 playing because like it's Kanehurst. That's where the vile blood the vile bloods are Thumerians. So that's okay. why it's playing. Yeah. Uh, the next question by Golden Boy is: Is Ligarius Thumerian, and does he have any relationship with Annalise and Kanehurst? So we I think we kind of covered that. Yeah. yeah. The answer is who knows. <laughs> Uh, why does Richard seem convinced that Alfred is a killer despite all signs of him, all signs pointing to him or any other executioner for that matter doing nothing wrong? Parentheses joke. Well, no, but the thing is, right, when Alfred kills, Alfred, in quotation marks, kills Annalise, he is wearing the Ardeo. So that could be anyone. <laughs> that could be someone disguised as Alfred to ruin his good name. You know what? You think it's Ludwig? <laughs> That's how Ludwig killed Maria. He disguised himself with the gold Ardeo. And he's like, it's me, Alfred. He's at me in. And, and, and even the hunter didn't notice. Even yeah. we didn't notice that it's a giant horse mutant wearing a golden hat. <laughs> yeah, like, certainly, sir. <laughs> Hey, Alfred, do you lose some weight? You look a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, I literally have this image next time I turn on my PS4 and play Bloodborne. Like, whenever I play this moment, I'm like, oh, my God, it is a horse monster wearing a golden hat. (laughs) Like, killing the Queen Annalise. (laughs) How come I never noticed before? Oh my god. Okay. I hate that, that that does sound like something someone would seriously suggest. You can't prove it's Alfred because he's got a cone on his head. <laughs> Two Alfreds question mark theory explained. What if what if the guy in uh, Annalise's room is the queen killer but with the clothes on? It might be. <laughs> So, why do the executioners hate the vile bloods? That's by Mittens. That's a really good question. <laughs> um, if you take them to be part of the church, then the church hate the vile bloods because the church were using them to make a scary Thumerian baby. Um, and I think the I think the implication is like what they did at Kanehurst. Kind of the experiment went wrong. In the same way that the experiment in Old Yarnum went wrong. Um, and, like, if that Thumerian blood gets back into Yarnum, it might, like, it'll mess things up further. That's why they're trying to purge them. But um, I think, like, going back to what we said about there being this sort of implied Thumerian civil war that happened in the Labyrinth, that Ligarius's executioners are probably, like, trying to get rid of Annalise's followers because they're like the, the Thumerians who went to the surface. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. 
Okay. Yeah. Stormwalker asks, speaking of Kinehurst, how are the summons directly addressed to us, the hunter, since we have no clear connection to it other than Ariana and Alfred's quest? Yeah, that's, I have no idea. This is another like, because it, it looks like what would have happened is you would have originally like the back of Witch's abode would have connected to the bridge to Kanehurst and you would have gotten the cart from Kanehurst to the Witch's abode, like directly from, from Witch's abode to Kanehurst without the like Henwick crossing, summoning the ghostly carriage thing. Okay. So like, I, I don't know. Uh, one weird thing is that it is in Impostia Sefka's room. And, like, Impostia Sefka gives you Numbing Mist, which is a Kanehurst thing. So, is it that Impostia Sefka has some kind of, like, Kanehurst connection? Because she knows how to make Numbing Mist, and the idea is that's, like, a hidden recipe. So, she may have been messing around with Kanehurst. Maybe she has. The other thing is, like, our character has amnesia, and we seem to know what Pale Blood is before the game starts. So, like... I think it's so like again it it works because the game is like a weird ghost story where you don't know what's happening a lot of the time and it's intentionally disorienting but yeah um maybe we are like different but then you have to wonder like why we didn't take it with us when we left why it just suddenly appears oh one other thing is like when you get in the carriage, you see, like, a view from the bushes, like someone's watching you get in the carriage. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if, like, Annal is some kind of, like, Kanehurst servant has intentionally left that there to lure you to Kanehurst to try to free Annalise. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. But I also think that um, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Princess Darkrags asks, why do the hooded executioners have a face on the belly button of their armor? I think because they're Thumerian and that's meant to represent the Thumerian queen. Is my, like, honest answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Since the hooded executioners are big armored guys with axes and round holes in their helms for the eyes, are they a nod to... Bazuso, a.k.a. Yeah, the 30-man slayer, a.k.a. the bear slaughter from Berserk. Yes. Well, no, originally it was even more explicit, because in the Project Beast trailers, they don't have the hoods. They don't have the cloak. They just have the plate mail armor. And, like, they just, <laughs> it just, it's just like Bazuso is just in the game. Okay. And that's, that also looks very much like, um, that guy from Dark Souls 3. Henri's companion. Yeah, he's also based on Basusa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is Sigmire. Sigmire. The the like the round like it explicitly says in the design notes for Sigmire like Basuzo like character. Oh. <laughs> okay. The idea of like the the sort of round armor came right. from yeah, and then <clears throat> like Sigmire is just sort of inspired by Basuzo, and then by the time of Dark Souls, so they're like just put Basuzo in it. <laughs> just put him in it around. I can't think of anything. <laughs> okay, thank you. Is there any significance to the hooded executioners having dreadlocks or tentacle for hair? 
Do they? I don't know. Princess Darkrax asks. I don't remember them. I do they have like stuff hanging? But I don't think that's their hair. I think it's just like a rope thing that goes around there. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't remember them having any hair that's visible. Well, look it up. I'm looking it up now. I don't see any. Is it Oh, um it might be from the back, but I think from the back that's the rope that goes around the like the neck. I don't think it's part of the like I don't think it's hair. Artman at Arms Onion asks, why did the executioners choose a wheel as a weapon? Uh we kind of covered that because like executing people on a wheel was a real thing. And then that sort of got extrapolated into what if it was an actual weapon. Okay. Yeah. Super. It says, Miyazaki, it says here that they used to kill people with wheels. Do we have time to look up how? No. <laughs> okay. Well, they were they were late with the game. It got delayed, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Easy the Prophet asks, why are the hooded executioners so much larger than their church hunter counterparts? Is it possible they are some remnant of another race of species? Or species? Yeah, I think they're they're Thumerian. They're the they're the same as the Merciless. They have very. I think like the move sets pretty much copy pasted from the Merciless Watchers. Okay. Like if you look at them, like the it's not exactly the same, but the way that they kind of flail around is very mm-hmm. very similar. Okay. So then the question continues. And if yes, does that tie in with the possibility of Legarius being Thumerian, taking deleted yeah. content out of the question and working with that? Yeah, I I think we sort of, like, we kind of answered that already. Okay, super. Also, why do some hooded executioners have a cosmos effect under their hoods? I assume they mean the, um... The nightmare The ones in the nightmare. Yeah. Oh, that might be what they mean with, um, the dreadlocks. Because the nightmare ones have, like, tentacle hair coming out the back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, like, um, okay, well, that's a good question. Why is there a Cosmos effect under their hoods? Who knows? Like, <laughs> they talk about them having deteriorated brains. So I'm wondering if, like, there's, um, you know, the way that, like, a brain sucker is, it's not a, a traditional mind flayer creature in that it's not something with a squid for a head. It's a human head with tentacles kind of poking out of the orifices. So it's like there's another thing living in the head that's taken over. So I'm wondering if this represents a later stage of that where, like, the whole body is just taken over by this massive tentacle thing that's living in the, like, the skull is hollow. And there's just this thing living inside it. And that's what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. Nightmare executioners might also have been like made in the research hall. That's another possibility. Cause like the research hall patients, they have like tentacles that stick out of their heads. So it might be that like the nightmare executioners are something that was made in the research hall. And that's why they have those tentacles. No. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I think that's it. 
Hope I didn't forget any questions. I might have. Sorry about that. Um, there's some very good fan art that I see passed around of like executioners oh, yeah. fighting vile bloods. And in that one, one of the executioners has a sword. So maybe he's the one who decapitated <gasps> them. We found him. Yep. It was in fan art all along. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the executioners? Uh, no, I think we covered it in the uh, very tight three hours <laughs> that we spent discussing one thing. Yay. Let me double check my notes just to make sure. <laughs> I wrote down... Alfred looks like he has beer belly. Oh, yeah, thick Alfred is a very popular <laughs> fan art thing. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? Like, what? <laughs> well, I guess it's not interesting at all. But um, you know how the hunters, the way they dress, a lot of the yeah. times it's like very cool and very sleek clothing. Yeah. And then. Poor Alfred has, like, this bulky thing going on. He doesn't look very sleek. Well, he's not trying to look sleek. Maybe that's why he's angry. Maybe he had a different outfit, but then the Queen of Wildblood stole it. You know, when Alfred is fighting, uh, he's killing Annalise, you know what other weapon he's holding? Is it the hammer? Ludwig's rifle. Is he? Yep. Are you for real right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm for real. He has he has the Ligarius's wheel and Ludwig's rifle. And he's wearing a cone, so we can't see who he is. Yep. But before, he didn't wear a cone. Yeah, exactly. It's clearly Ludwig in disguise. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? I'm very glad we had this podcast, because that means I just have more information on when I do the Ludwig lore. Good. <laughs> Alfred has the same voice actor as Solaire. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. I remember people being like, oh, Alfred, is he the new Solaire? And I'm like, what the F is a Solaire? Yeah. Because I never played Dark Souls yet. Yeah, and, and you still um, haven't beaten it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <sighs> What if Alfred, uh, what if Volta is also Ludwig in disguise? Because he has a thing on his head. Do we ever see him without the thing on his head? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about like stuff we find on Maths Wiki. I mean, in game. No. Yeah, in game. If you complete his quest line, you can summon him with uh, without that on his head. But it could just be a coincidence. Also, he is smart enough to have a hole that he can see out of. Oh, you see? Yes. So- <laughs> so clearly, like, Volta made an iron helmet for himself, couldn't see where he was going. And then he's like, he sort of sat and thought about it for a while. And he's like, how can I improve on the gold Ardeo? I've got it. A single eye hole. 
So, do you want to do an outro? For for one of the eight separate things, is there an outro? Um, just executioners. Well, that was the executioners. What a fascinating subject. <laughs> I hope that this video wasn't over, say, half an hour long. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, if it was, I'm very sorry. We went off topic quite a lot. Yeah. If you subscribe to Sin's Patreon, you can. Uh, for some reason, if you pay her, you get a worse version of this. Which has, like, hours of just all the stuff that we cut out, none of which is, is worth listening to. It should never be... Should just never be... No one should be subjected to, like, two people who aren't American and have never lived there t- attempting to discuss their memories of Saturday Night Live. But if you're desperate, that will be available on Patreon. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. And people will say, like, well, you know, Patreon, it's like a couple of dollars a month. That's like one extra cup of coffee. But you have to ask yourself, like, that extra cup of coffee is probably going to do you more good in the long run. <laughs> Then, like, like, frankly, I'd rather have an extra cup of coffee a month than listen to what we just recorded. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. That's all right. Um, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Uh, I guess we can stop recording. <laughs> <laughs>